Bruising Banner Podcast. Banner Podcast. Bruising Banner Podcast. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Bruising Banner Podcast. I am your host, Rob G. And with me, as always, is the legendary Brew Crew. What up, fellas? I got water, I got, you know, juice or whatever. He's like, y'all need twin legs? <laughs> as a matter of fact, I do. to everybody is, does Delaware have an actual culture? This is the podcast that we talk about beer, but we also talk about a lot of things that's happening in the world. Politics, movies, anything really that comes to our mind while we're here. Sampling these brews. Grab a drink and pull up a chair. <laughs> That means go. Goes he goes. Red. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Brews and Banter Podcast, where the topic be the rocket and the brew. Well, that be the fuel, and I'm your host, Rob G. And with me, as always, the legendary brew crew. What up, fellas? What is going on, Yo, everyone? Hi. How's everybody? Good. Hi. On this beautiful Sunday. Hello. <laughs> uh, this is episode 72. Two. So, yeah, episode 72. Yeah. Yeah, right. Seventy one for some. Right in there, seventy two. Okay. Yeah, hmm. seventy two. I'm right. Yeah, because yeah, 70, you're right. Yeah, seventy one was last week. Today, seventy two. He, he got me. Yep. The, uh, question. <laughs> <I know. laughs> you know, just like just like all the days been running into each other. I just I'm confused. All episodes too. Uh, yeah, everything's just going together. <laughs> yeah, man. I hear you. Uh, this is episode seventy two. As I said, a bruising band of podcasts, and this week. We have a special guest again. Uh, we have Neil Witty, Master Cicerone, and owner of Craft Quality Solutions. Uh, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Glad to be here. Glad to have Yeah, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> always, uh, always a good time talk talk with people about beer, hang out a little bit. You know, holiday weekend. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Memorial Day to everybody. Oh, it'll be yes. already past when it dropped, but <laughs> yes, I hope you had That's a good. Right. I hope you had a good uh, Memorial Day, and it's a safe. Exactly. Um, yes. Keep on social distancing. Um, keep your mask on if you have to, if you need to, if you're in space. And today. wash them. Absolutely, wash your hands, and, <laughs> and also reflect on the uh, actual Memorial Day, what it means, and 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 you took the time to remember the people who have fought and uh, died for the country. Uh, uh, for sure, and all that uh, stuff. All right. Um, I always need to know before uh, we get into it, I always need to know, what are we drinking today, fellas? Uh, Neil, we can start with you. What are you drinking today? I am drinking a Four Hands Brewing Company Incarnation mm. IPA. Nice. Uh, Four Hands is a small brewer out of St. Louis. Uh, so, uh, 
they're they're not a hundred percent local to me, but they're local enough. I consider them local. They're uh, right. you know really good people. Uh, mm-hmm. They're just right across the state. Um, I, I try to I try to buy their beer as much as possible. Um, good stuff I'm drinking, by the way, out of my Cicerone glass. Cool. Nice. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dev, what you got? Um, I am actually double fisting it today, but the first can I uh, cracked is a uh, true respite uh, from Firm and Firm Brewing Company. This is their first pitch IPA. Coming in at 6.5% alcohol by volume, um, it's got it's got it's got a lot of uh, a lot of good hops mixed in there that we'll get into. Is that later. Phillies inspired, Dev? Um, With the first, you know, I that may be a reference that I'm not sure about, Lou. You may you may have just a little bit more of baseball knowledge than me to know if that's all uh, Phillies. It seemed like anytime it's baseball and they use a pH, it's kind of like Phillies centric. It just made mm-hmm. me think of it. When, well, I, don't know, I don't know by looking at it. Um, this, uh, they're out of Deer, oh, Durwood, Maryland. So not, not, sh- not exactly sure, but there right. could be um, some, some lineage there. Um, oh. And then the other IPA that I'm drinking is actually a brewery that we all know is a 2SP Brewing Company. Okay. This is their uh, Regrets IPA, brewed 100% with uh, Citra, Citra and Mosaic, uh, coming in at 7% ABV. Um, so I'm living and feeling good over here. That one must be extra bitter, extra bitter for them to call it that. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I haven't cracked it just yet. I'm, I'm, a, I'm about to. And What's the IBU on it, Dev? It says this one, the, uh, the I, well, the I, the ABV is seven, but let me just see if it has the IBU on it. They I don't have the IBU. No, I don't have it on there. They don't. And they're out of, uh, Aston PA. So right in my backyard from where I grew up. Right. All right. Yo, what so, you got? So what I got is, for the sake of the podcast, I pulled out <laughs> my mosaic, uh, mosaic man. So we had this before. This is from Glastown, uh, from Glastown Brewing Company out of Millville, okay. uh, New Jersey. But uh, yeah, so this is what I'm drinking for the IPA for the podcast. But I don't really want it because <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to drink an IPA. So on the side, also, I'm drinking my blackberry vanilla. From uh, from Woman to Brew Works too. Was that so milkshake sour, right? Yeah, that's that milkshake sour, mm. and that's a six percent joint. And that was candy yesterday. Ooh. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> nice uh-huh. Supporting those local breweries, love it. Yeah. So so yeah, so I'm double fisting it too. Double fisting too. Yeah. Good, good. Right. You guys know how to do it, man. Yes, yes. <laughs> Lou, what you got? I too am double fisting because uh, it's IPA day, which is, means it's not my day. Uh, so I, uh, I called on uh, brother Rob G to go to his home brewery and give me the Biggie Smalls IPA out of Belfont Brewery, uh, local. It's a 6.5 ABV and a pint can. And uh, because I like sours and I still have some leftover from uh, Single de Mayo, a tequila barrel, lime gose, sour ale from Boulevard uh, Brewing. That's that your chaser. The back. Yeah, <laughs> that'll chaser. be on the back. Yeah, that's the that's mine. <laughs> that's because my hometown beer. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, it? Nice. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Boulevard is. Yep, it sure is. That's where I I worked for those guys for 19 years. There it is. You know, and because Neil's on the show, (laughs) I went ahead. (laughs) You got that, right? Yep, yep. I'm helping you out here. You guys work out. If you would have started with that, we would have believed you. If you like, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, I know. I, I believe you because that thing was perfect. That was impeccable. Uh, I'm, what you got, Rob? I'm drinking uh, from Wilmington Brew Works as well. It is a, it's called Satorial Absence. It's uh, a 9.2% ABV. It is a Imperial uh, New England IPA. Uh, so it is, it is a Wilmington Brew Works crawler. Uh, and that's nine point two. Yeah, which yes. is probably, which is the imperial of, of it. <laughs> so you're drinking a crowler of nine point two percent. And he's hosting his podcast. One o'clock clock. in the afternoon. I'm here to have a good time. Right. No work. No work tomorrow. You gotta work. You all right. Tomorrow, so. Right. Tomorrow. Right. Exactly. And, and I'm already home, so it's not like I gotta go anywhere. Right. 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 Exactly. That's true. Uh, um, there's, there's benefits. Of uh, quarantine, you're right. already home. <laughs> right. yeah. Give me some more. All right, <laughs> definitely. I only have one beer, so the, so these guys might equal mine once they're done. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. According to Devin's math, we probably got more than you. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I like I like Devin's math. <laughs> Just add them up. <laughs> add them up. Add the maybe V's up. Right. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't have enough beer with me now compared to all what all you guys. You gotta go, oh, oh, Neil, we know you got enough beer. Yeah, <laughs> just hang out with us a little bit more beer. often. Yeah, it's just not in front of you right, right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised none of y'all asked me what that song was. <laughs> Yo, because it was just the vibe, so we didn't even worry about it. What was yep. the song? <laughs> uh, I'm open it back up. It feel real summertime. Well, no, it was uh, me and uh, my son. We play uh, Just Dance. 2020 all the time and that's like my favorite dance on this <laughs> okay so that beat that's that beat that comes up on there you'll be getting it in it's called you know? um my Maito, and she's like um she's she's nigerian but she uh, grew, up, say, grew up in uh, norway or something like that. she's nigerian but okay. grew up in uh, norway um, what's the style of music it sounds like afro it's, like, yeah, a, it's like afro, afro world afro beat yeah. Yeah. Afro but world. she also raps in there but she, i don't think i got to that part but she kind of she actually pretty pretty dope is it in English or is it in? She flips uh, back and sword. forth. She flips back and forth. The raps are in, in English, but um, the hook and stuff is in um, I guess South singing African. the melodies. Is it Nigerian okay. or or uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know if Nigerian is the language, but right. the language that Ni- people of Nigeria speak. Right. Well, uh, we know what right. you're talking about. I just like the flow. The vibe is real dope on yeah. on the. Uh, on the record and the it dance. Felt, I like the it dance. It felt real too. islandy when you when you played it. Right. Well, so shout out shout, shout to verses then. <laughs> I, I I thought you was uh you were playing it for um Dev's hat. I think right. he said it was a, a island hat. <laughs> I guess I could have went with some uh some beanie man or some bounty killer, but I, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't watch it. It was actually pretty dope. I mean it was dope because they were both uh in there at, at, to together, so they were really beat Oh, they were together. Okay. Yeah, they were together. Yeah, so. Okay, that's that's good. Yeah, that was, I have to that's check it out. Cool. It's on YouTube now. Yeah, and they were freestyling like they did four records that wasn't even. They were just freestyling over the beat. I was like, oh, this is a vibe. <laughs> yeah. And you know, people in Jamaica was going crazy. I bet they was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, it looks like we have some uh, good, good beers uh, today, uh, but we want to do jump into our conversation with Neil. 
And uh, basically, you can just uh, tell us uh, who you are, what you do, uh, how long you've been doing it, and, and just, just the whole bio and how I'm going to run down, and then uh, we'll go from there. Sure, sure. Uh, well, you know, I, I got introduced to uh, some of you guys through a class I just did. I guess it's, what was that, in March now, I guess, or early April? Yeah, yeah, March, March. It was yeah through uh, Blackbird Culture. Right. Uh, Mike and Matt Curl there. Yep, yep, shout out to Mike. Um, you know, I, I currently do a lot of work with Cicerone Certification Program. Um, so that, that was what that class was, you know, we, uh, sister and certification program had just before this whole coronavirus thing hit, uh, worked out an arrangement to do, uh, quarterly classes for, uh, black root culture. So I was actually, I had a flight booked and everything. I was going to go fly out there and oh. do an in-person class. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then of course that all got canceled when everything shut down. Um, and then, you know, Mike and I kept talking and he's like, Hey, let's do this thing via webinar. And that actually allowed him to open it up to a broader audience. Right, so I think right. we had like a hundred people sitting in on that, on that class. It was really cool. Yeah. I know um, for sure there was one person from, uh, uh, in the Netherlands, I believe. I think. Oh yeah. yeah. Was there? Really? Yeah. 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 Chris, was, Chris, Chris was on there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cross TV. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, there was uh, one woman from L.A. who, you know, was uh, sending me some messages. I've been I've hooked up with a bunch of really cool people through this. It's uh, it's been awesome. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's that's a, a lot of what I do right now is work with Cicerone Certification Program. Um, you know, if, if you're not familiar with Cicerone Certification Program, we certify beer knowledge. And uh, we have a series of examinations that are increasingly difficult. Uh, as you might imagine. Uh, so think of it like if, if you're familiar with a sommelier program for wine, wine. like if you go to like, you know, a nice restaurant and, uh, you know, like white tablecloth, fine dining or whatever, they'll often have a, butler uh, with a sommelier. Little... <laughs> yeah, <where you> got... <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the glass, with the glass. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know the whole thing. Not a pork. Yeah, the the sommelier will walk you through the menu to explain the wines and you know and, and try and help you pick something out that'll go with your food, right? So, and that the sommelier program has different levels of examination. So to certify knowledge for people who are serving wine, well, we kind of do the same thing for beer. Okay. Uh, and I got hooked up with those guys. Uh, Many years ago, when they first started out, uh, back in I think 2007, mm-hmm. and um, so I uh, I got into the beer business back in '97 uh, as a brewer. You know, I, I went to Mizzou, right in the middle of the state of Missouri. Uh, go Tigers! Um, and uh, I was I was a home brewer in the early '90s, and you know kind of bounced around after school. I studied German and philosophy in college. So, you know, naturally I didn't know what the heck I was going to do when I got out of school. And, uh, you know, I was bartending and making beer and got on at a winery where, where a buddy of mine was a winemaker doing some stuff, helping him out. And then I got connected with a uh, company in Kansas city and I moved here to, uh, to be an assistant brewer at a brew pub. And the work ended up being kind of inconsistent, but not after not too long, I got a job as a brewer at Boulevard Brewing Company. Um, and Boulevard Brewing Company now is a pretty big, uh, you know, regional brewer. 
that, you know, they, I think they probably sell in about 40 states right now. And they're part of a larger company. They're part of uh, Duval USA. So Duval's a big Belgian brewer um, that bought them back in, I think, 2014. And in any event, I got on with them in 97 as a brewer. And, and after about three years of working for them as a brewer, they transitioned me into a new position where I was managing the quality of the beer out in the marketplace. So I was uh, working with all our distributors and retailers and our sales team uh, on all the things that come up with beer uh, after it leaves the brewery. Uh, which is all kinds of different stuff, but a large part of that is uh, draft beer. And so, you know, I spent the next 16 years really just specializing in draft beer and draft beer systems. Uh, I did everything from, you know, auditing systems to working with draft techs and line cleaners out in the marketplace, training them, making sure they're doing it the right way working with installers, uh, installing systems myself on behalf of Boulevard and, you know, doing all kinds of different stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and it evolved into kind of a training role too, where, you know, ended up, you know, cause if you're talking to people about quality, like if you're going into a bar and you want to talk to a group of bartenders about how to pour beer the right way, I mean, you guys know what bartenders are like. If you go try and tell a bartender how to pour beer, they're going to be like, come on, man. Like, I know how to pour beer, <laughs> you know. But So right. if you want to explain to them why the finer points of pouring a beer are important, why they should listen to you, you kind of have to explain a little bit about beer in general. Like, right. you know, teach them about beer. Like, here's why it's important. And so my job involved into more of a beer educational role, too, uh, and then when we became part of Duval in 2014, uh, I took over that role for the larger company. So, uh, so we had a few sister breweries at that point, uh, Brewery Omgang out of Cooperstown, New York, if you're familiar with them. They yeah. specialize yeah. in Belgian style yeah. beers. What's the name uh, of them? What's their name? Brewery Omgang. Yeah. Okay, gang, gang, gang. We, had, we, we, yeah. had, we had a lot of their beers. Luke, I'm the gang. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have been calling yeah. the game, but <laughs> yeah, how's, yeah. That's how's it pronounced correctly? Oh my gang, oh my gang, oh my gang. Well, okay. There we go. Oh my gang, oh my gang, oh my gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to call the people who work there the Oma Gangsters. They make they make one of our favorite. They're one of our favorite breweries on the podcast. They do make some uh, some good beers. Yeah, they do. They they do a really fantastic job. Uh, some of their big sellers are, uh, there's a beer called Witta, which is spelled the same as my last name. I pronounce it Witty. They call it Witta, but it's a Belgian wit beer. Really, really good beer. Uh, they also do a Saison called Hennepin, uh, which is real popular. Uh, they, and they do a, um, they do a, a beer called Three Philosophers, which is a... Uh, uh, a big Belgian quad that's got a little bit of uh, of uh, a Leafman's cherry beer blended in with it. It's really Ooh. fantastic. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. So they became, you know, we became kind of sister breweries with them. And then I was also helping out with, you know, we had a bunch of imported beers that we managed as well. So we had a Duval with, if you're familiar with that Belgian strong golden ale, really fantastic beer. One of my favorite beers in the world. Just absolutely love that beer. Uh, the beers of Schuf. So if you see the gnome behind me back over here, yeah. that's the, that's the Schuf gnome. If you ever had La Schuf, uh, the little the little gnome is uh, is great. Uh, I got the little guy right here. This is this is Marcel the Schuf gnome. So if you 
if you get a shoof beer, you'll see that little gnome on every little on every can every or bottle. package. Yeah, that's right. right. Uh, yeah, they make uh, you know Belgian Golden Ale too. Do a really great job. Um, nice. And then Leafman's, they make uh, sour fruit beers. Uh, they're from Belgium. They've been, they've been around since the uh, 1600s. Oh wow! So hey. like, yeah, historic brewery. It's really amazing place. So you know, I did I did a lot of education for those guys too when we became part of that larger group. Um, so uh, you know, I stayed with them when we became part of Duval for another three years. Uh, and so after 19 years working with them, I left and kind of did my own thing. I started craft quality solutions where I was taking kind of that, that same work that I was doing and, and, uh, kind of providing it to the larger industry, you know, so still working with distributors, retailers, uh, but I was also working with other breweries too. So I do any number of different types of work from consulting to draft system design and installation, uh, mm-hmm you know, working with draft departments for distributors, all kinds of different stuff. And at the same time, I took on a larger role at Cicerone. So I uh, get circle back around to what I was talking about with uh, how I got involved with those guys. You know, I, since I was working as a field quality manager and doing a lot of education and doing a lot of work at retail, um, when I heard about the Cicerone program starting, I was like, hey, this sounds like something the industry needs some type of certification of knowledge uh, mm-hmm. to say, Hey, you know, I know at least this much about beer. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I went ahead and dove in and, and did it. And I was one of the first people to really go through the program. Mm-hmm. Um, I took certified beer server. And then in April of 2008, I sat for the very first Cicer- certified Cicerone exam. And that was out in uh, craft brewers conference when it was in San Diego that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was one of the first, uh, five certified Cicerones. Um, and at that point, it, you know, nobody knew who it was. It was just this, you know, it was just this kind of fledgling program that Ray Daniels was trying to, to grow, but you know, it ended up turning into something pretty significant, which is kind of cool. And so I, I worked my way through and ended up taking master Cicerone, uh, in that following year in 2009, uh, I failed. And then I went back and I took it again in 2010 and I failed it again. <laughs> and then I decided to take a year off and really study the stuff I needed to study. And then I went back in 2012 and I passed it uh, just barely, but nonetheless. Right, uh, you passed. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been, yeah, what's that? No one asked you what your score was. They just see the badge. It's pass or fail, isn't it? Or is it? Is it well, score? You, you get a score, yeah. You do? But no, yeah. nobody's going to ask you after you see they yeah, see Right, after you get it, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, what was your score? Yeah. <laughs> they don't post unless, your score on their petty. certificate. Unless they're petty. Unless <laughs> they're petty, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm I'll sure just tell you right up front, I barely passed. <laughs> 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 I don't mind telling just you. Cut that out. Just cut right. that out. Conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but nonetheless, right? So they gave, still gave me the certificate. It's uh, it's right, right there. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Like, so well, I'm a master system mm-hmm. too, but what was your score? <laughs> 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 so you've been so you've been a part of the so the Cicerone program's only been around since 2008, and yeah. you've basically been a part of the program since inception. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't working for them and doing work for them right off the bat. But by the time I passed Master Cicerone, uh, and I think maybe for like a, a year or two before I passed, 
I'd started to help them with grading exams and, mm-hmm. and just doing a few things kind of on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I left Boulevard in, uh, at the end of 2016, um, I, uh, I took on a larger role. So I don't work there full time, but I'm, I do about half-time work and I, uh, and I, I'm their lead trainer. So I do all the private training for them. If a distributor or a brewer wants to bring us in to do private training for like a sales team or something, I'm usually the guy that does that. Um, mm-hmm. and I help them with content development and a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, so, you know, I've been doing that. Uh, that's been a large part of what I've been doing in the past few months because, you know, my, my own business is, you know, is very dependent on the, uh, on the on-premise business, right? It's dependent mm-hmm. on bars and restaurants and brew tap rooms, and those are all closed right now. So, you know, things have been a little slow for me, like everybody else, but, you know, mm-hmm. I've been doing, still, still cranking away with Cicerone. Uh, and for the past few years as well, I was doing a lot of work with the Brewers Association, which is the trade group for craft brewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I was the uh, quality ambassador for the BA. Which, so I would travel around the state Brewers Guild meetings around the country and, and talk to them about quality programs and some hot button issues around uh, quality in, inside the brewery. Okay. So, hey, Neil, I had a uh, – oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was, go ahead. I was just going to ask, um, so are you like the uh, John Tapper or Gordon Ramsay of uh, draft systems? You go in there and be like, this is uh, I don't know if I would, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to compare myself to those guys. Uh, I hope not. Although, although I did, I, I, I was the beer expert on an episode of Bar Rescue one time. Uh, okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah, if you're, nice. if you're flipping through old Bar Rescue episodes, uh, oh. you might see me on there. I love that show. So so I, I probably saw it. <laughs> I was about to say, what episode was it? I'm pretty sure I saw it. <laughs> it was, uh, I forget the name of it. It was, uh, God, uh, lo- I, think it was, I think the episode was called Loggers and Liars. Ooh. And, uh, and it, it was it was in LA, so we went out to LA, and it was this bar that was obviously in terrible shape. You know that's why they go to these places because right, they really right. hurt. And uh, they had it was one of these beer bars that had like a hundred taps, but they were only really serving like maybe fifteen beers off of it. And, uh, and the guy was like, you know, a million dollars in debt was like you know, sucking money off of his family's business to stay afloat. It was a total disaster. Mm. And, uh, you know, and of course Taffer comes in and does his thing and yells and screams right. and, right. you know. Is uh, the bar still running? <laughs> the what? Is, the, is the it still running? running? Your advice and it's still up and running? I don't think they made it. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it was, it. it was, it was a tough, <laughs> that was a tough, a tough turnaround. Yeah. A lot, and a lot of those bars, they don't make it even after he comes in. Yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee those places are going to make it. But, you know, I mean, they they certainly get a, a better chance to make it than they would have. Yeah, just the, right. the marketing, the publicity, those kinds of things. Yeah, they get that. And, you know, the, the show does spend money to, you know, right. Right. Buy, right. they yeah. buy them equipment sometimes and they, like, redo the interior a lot of yeah. times. And they, yeah. I mean, they do pump some cash into those places and give them a second chance. But, you know, a lot of times these people don't have any business being in, right. in the bar business anyway. Right. Especially with 100 taps. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Neil, I, Neil I, got a, I got a question. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the the uh, Cicerone class that you um, offer and obviously you did like a form of education for people, would you recommend this as a class for people who are um, getting into uh, craft beer more from a service standpoint? Or would you say that it's really kind of a, a base knowledge for uh, the average uh participant just kind of uh learning the characteristics of a beer uh what would you what, what would you say that you know kind of that how did you corner the market or how would what do you think is beneficial uh between those two well you know i, I think really especially for a certified beer server the class that uh like the one that i taught for black beer culture and uh you know, in that certified beer server class and exam, that's good for just about anybody, right? So uh, when we call it certified beer server, because it's, you know, it's original intent was for the person who's serving beer, but we have a lot of people sit in on these types of classes who are just beer fans, you know, they, they really like beer, they want to learn more about beer, they want to kind of set a goal for studying and you know these exams are a great way to set goals for learning Mm -hmm. and uh and there's a lot of people i mean you know i've got a friend who works in like insurance investigations and he just likes beer and he's Mm -hmm. certified beer server and he sat in on uh you know on one of the four-hour classes that we do we do these uh public classes called beer savvy boot camp Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's just, we've got people that do those all over the country. Um, at least when, you know, when we're not under quarantine, right. um, and, uh, and it's a great kind of four hour, just general beer education course. And, and it's a preparatory class for taking certified beer service class, of course, taking that exam. And we get a lot of people who are in the business. We get a lot of people who are just beer enthusiasts. They just want to learn more about beer. So Mm. it's, it's great like that. We get some people who do certified Cicerone that level two who are just, you know, fans of beer and don't work in the business. That is a, that's a little bit bigger commitment uh, for somebody who doesn't have a professional investment Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no reason why you couldn't, you know, it's just a matter of how much you really want to like dive into it. Most right. of the people who have, uh, who really have the time to invest into that level of education to pass certified Cicerone are people who are already professionally invested, yeah. uh, but there's, you don't have to be, but we Got see it. a lot more, especially in that first level of the just beer enthusiasts, people who like beer. Yeah. I just, I, I like to use mine for, uh, for dinner parties. Oh, that's a, that's a toasty. Uh, <laughs> toasty. <laughs> right. Impress you know friends. what? That's, that's good conversation. That's great conversation. Actually not good, but great. Do you taste that resin Absolutely. in there? That's from the, uh, that's from the hop. That's the American hop. That resin you tasted. 2017. Yo, but Rob been a beer snob since we, uh, started. Right, part of this. That, that's false. I just was talking about the beer clean glass. That was the only so thing. <laughs> We were yeah, like just, very clean. You know, just for the people that don't know, what are the uh, the levels of Cicerone uh, of training? Sure, we've got uh, so the the examinations are certified beer server exam, and that's a that's a half hour online exam. There's sixty questions. Um, you know, uh, it takes uh, you know it, it takes half hour to to uh, to take the test. Preparation depends on how much you know already, right? 
There's some people who already work in the business who might be able to just jump right in and pass it. Maybe not. Uh, Most people require a little bit of preparation. Um, The certified Cicerone exam is level two. That's an in-person four-hour exam. There's a a two-hour written portion. It's actually two-and-a-half-hour written portion with a a short answer, you know, multiple-choice essay questions. Uh, There's a tasting portion of the exam with off-flavor identification, style identification. And then there's a videotape portion where you have a a task that you have to perform in front of a camera. What? (laughs) Uh, and so that's a, that's a pretty difficult exam. And, mm. uh, we usually encourage people to study for at least three months. Uh, most people take six months or more to, uh, to prepare, uh, for that exam and pass it. Uh, you know, passing rate I think is, is, uh, is, is under 40% on that exam. So it's, it's a, it's a tough exam. Um, and that was, only, and, that was uh, at the first level, right? That was, the, that's the only, I'm at the second level. That's level two, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's certified Cicerone. Oh, that's just. Level so you saying forty percent? So forty percent of the people that take level two pass it and to move on. I I think it's less than forty. Yeah, less than forty. Wow. Um, yeah. Y'all, y'all taking level two? Get the studying, Rob. <laughs> level one. I'm gonna stick with yes. Rob. You gonna take level two? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Hey, you know, they're, uh, Bill just scared the hell out of y'all, didn't he? Like, <laughs> but you know, I mean, part of it's the journey, right? You know, CBS. I, I worked with some folks, uh, at Boulevard and I, I did a big push at Boulevard years ago to get a bunch of folks on the sales team to take and pass certified Cicerone. And there were some people that, you know, that I didn't think really were, were cut out for it. You know, they just weren't the type of people that like, you know, that were going to do that type of thing. But there were some folks that really studied hard and, you know, worked their butt off and studying and they took the test and failed. Mm. And they're like, I'm not going to do it anymore. But after that, they were like, you know what? I learned so much in that process. Right. Mm -hmm. And even if you even if you set that as a goal and even if you never take the exam or if you take it and you fail it. Like it's the process that's important because yeah. even to get to the point where you feel confident enough to right. sit for that exam, you've learned so much about beer. Right. That's true. Right? Um, you know, the certification is a great thing to have, you know, especially if you're in the beer business. Uh, but you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's the process. It's learning more about beer and, and, and educating yourself. I mean, that's kind of what it's, what it's I mean, all you can talk, but you can talk more crap with it. Than you can without it. <laughs> when you go, to, when you go well, to, well, yeah, I mean, you know, you can, you know, you got a little bit of the credentials to back it up, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. So when when you walk into a uh, a tap room, do people get uh, they scared? They be like, oh my goodness, the master cicerone is here, oh, right? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have had some You're people famous. like react like kind of strangely. Like it, like a beer fest, you know. I'll try their beer. They're like, "Oh, I'm so nervous." I'm like, "Don't be nervous." Like, I just, I'm just here to trade beer, man. Right. At the end of the day, you you enjoy Cause it, beer. Cause it's, it's yeah, like, I just like I enjoy beer, just like everybody else. It's, it's like a foodie, you know. Right. Yeah. But it's like yeah. a low, like how many people are actually master system? It's like a low double digit number, right? There's 19 yeah, like people. 19. 19. 19 people. So wait, wait, wait. So you one out of 19 people. So the thing is, is that of course, me. I would be nervous if you came up. 
Yeah, and everybody, mm. knows, everybody uh, you don't have to be nervous. Man. To know you. It's just me. It's just me. It's cool. <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> I know Neil. I know Neil. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. I'm about to start using. I'm about to start using new credentials. I'm gonna be at a at a beer fest and be like, "Oh no, do you, you do know I know Neil right before I taste this." <laughs> you do know Neil Witty. Neil Witty. In my contacts. In my rolodex. Are you sure this is the best? Are you sure? That's this is right here. <laughs> I'll send you all my all my my phone number, my email. We'll all be friends. Like this, and, you know, and I'll be like, look, hungry. Is this your, you sure this is your best? I will call you right now. I don't think right this is now. Hey, you, you call me up, and if, if it, you know, if it works, if it, you know, if it helps you out at some point, you need to give me a call. That's cool. Man. Well, Neil, continue with the levels. We're at level two, and it's only, I got to get to this 19, how it's only 19 of y'all. What's right. after level two? Well, so after level two is uh, the advanced Cicerone. So advanced Cicerone is a day-long exam. Uh, that's eight hours. <laughs> yeah, it's a full. That's what I'm about to say because eight hours is like a work day. So yeah, that's a, it's a full day. It's a full day exam. Uh, and it's, uh, it's writ- written portion, which is, you know, essay questions, short answer. There's oral examinations where you're, you know, you're going into, you know, and, and talk with people in person and getting drilled on different topics. And then there's two tasting portions. Yeah. Um, so that's a very difficult exam. Uh, there's a, I, I think, uh, we've got around 130 people who have passed that one. Okay. Can um, you just, can you just jump to the test? Can I just jump to like the third level? Or no, do you have to, you have to take them in order. Progression. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then there's master Cicero. Master Cicero is a two day exam. So it's two full days of essay questions. It's all essay questions. Uh, there essay questions, oral exams, and tasting exams. So there's four tasting exams. I think there's like eight oral exams, and the rest is just essay questions. Uh, it's really, really, really hard. So when you uh, so who's giving? So, so when you say tasting exam, is it like the Somali tasting exam where you got to name yeah. like the hop and the local? Yeah, they set it up in a number of different ways. Like there's off flavor identification, and, mm. and it's really obscure off flavors. Uh, there's some of the stuff is more open-ended too, where you'll get a beer and you, and it's more just relying on you coming up with good descriptors and talking about oh, the beer, right. uh, you know, describing it, talking about, you know, how you, you know, what you might, uh, what food you might pair with it, stuff like that. Um, you know, there's a number of different ways we can get different, you know, feedback from you about different beers. But. So are the, are these other master Cicerones that are given this, uh, this, uh, testing? Yeah, we employ the uh, a lot of master cisterns to help out with oh, the no. examination process. Because I was so. going to say, how are you going to tell me this is wrong and you ain't even a master? Well, I mean, you know, we also get a lot of experts in the industry who come in to help out with those oral exams, like too. You know, like we've, we've had, we've gotten master brewers from a lot of big breweries come in to help out with some of these oral exams, people who specialize in, and, you know, like chefs and brewmasters will come in and, and do beer and food oral exams. We, you know, uh, we get experts in the field to come in and, and assist with it, in addition to master Cicerones as well. Okay. So uh, we've, we've got professionals in the field for sure uh, that are uh, that already 
kind of have those credentials, whether it's Master Cicerone or some other credential um, that are, you know, helping out with that stuff. Now, I'm sure a lot of people ask this, like, what does Cicerone even mean? Well, yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, the name is, it comes from Marcus Aurelius Cicero from years ago, but the name, the name Cicerone had, had been used for, uh, for a long time to, uh, denote someone who was, uh, was like a guide, like a museum guide. So, uh, like a Cicerone would be somebody who, would walk you through the museum and they'd be able to educate you about all of the different things in the museum. Um, it's kind of an antiquated term that nobody was really using, at least not in this country. And Ray, when Ray Daniels, the founder of the program was researching it and trying to find a name, he just felt like that was a good fit and appropriate. And so that's, that's where the name comes from. Right. So it's not Cicerone, it's not Cicerone like they do on Cicerone, like Cicerone. On that dumb show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, not in the United States, we don't call it that. <laughs> what? Oh, that's what they was calling it on, on Bruce Brothers. Oh, yeah. Bruce Brothers. Have you watched that show, Bruce Brothers, on Netflix? The Bruce Brothers? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, I ha- I haven't watched that. Yeah. I've, I've been yeah. advised not to. I mean, let me watch it. Watch it. When they, when they tell you don't watch it, watch yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's, it, it sounds pretty cool. Open that envelope. It's so what, stupid. Hey, Neil, what is the uh, what is like the best thing that being a Cicerone has given you? Like, what uh, different credentials have you gotten into? What different beers have you been able to taste? Or what has like, oh, I'm a master of Cicerone. This is what it's all about. Like, what well, what P, access. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's honestly, you know, especially with master Cicerone, it's it's hard to it's hard to really put my finger on exactly like this. I got this one thing because I'm a master Cicerone. Uh, it's more like, I, I think there's a lot of the things that I've been able to do. A lot of the doors that have been open for me uh, were uh, probably that played a role in it. Uh, and, but it's hard to say exactly. Cause you know, it, it does, you know, uh, there are organizations who have been more than willing to have me come and speak to them. There have been pl- plenty of people, plenty of people who have hired me to consult with them or do work for them. And, you know, they might not say, Hey, you know, I'm doing this cause you're a master Cicero, right. but you know, I can't help but think that a lot of those opportunities I wouldn't have if right. I hadn't done that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I always tell people like the certified beer server and certified Cicerone, those first two levels of the program are like, there's some pretty clear cut advantages to those as far from a professional standpoint. If you have that on your resume to say, I'm a certified Cicerone, that helps you a lot. If you want to get a job as a salesperson, a distributor or a brewery, or you want to get a, you know, or if you want to, you know, manage a beer portfolio for, uh, you know, for a beer store or whatever, right? There's, you can put that on your resume and it's like, there's some pretty clear cut advantages to that. Uh, when you get into advanced and master Cicerone, they, it, I think you get into kind of personal pursuit territory where 
it's a lot more nebulous what the advantages are. There are advantages, uh, I, and like I said, but it's a, it's a little more squishy. It's hard to like say exactly what that right. is. And the people who have pursued that and and passed those exams, uh, they're just you know, uh, they're people who just want to. They they like to pursue things to the end and kind of obsess about knowledge and learning more and more and more and like achieving the yeah. pinnacle and, and it becomes a little bit more of a personal thing at that point yeah. uh, but there are professional advantages to it it's just a lot harder to really put your finger on Same yeah point. this is exactly why i got this job so when you go to, when, so when you go to like a beer conference do you feel like tom cruise or michael jackson <laughs> <laughs> oh i wouldn't say that no no, I mean at those beer conferences, that's the brewmasters, man. There's like a whole, there's a whole bunch of like beer celebrities and right. right. So our, when you I, go to those conferences, to that point, even a sec, you know, the, the piggyback off of that, when you go to those conferences, are there anyone at those conferences that you want to kind of, uh, you know, uh, rub elbows with or like meet from that master brewery level, like just being in the in their presence and learn from them. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, I, I like to, I mean, there's plenty of people that, uh, that there's plenty of people I've had an opportunity to meet in the business that I've learned a ton from. And, uh, and, you know, there's still plenty of people. I love to meet new people in the business all the time. Right. And the, those conferences are great for that. You know, uh, another place where I, I really have an opportunity to connect with people that, that I've always wanted to meet, but maybe haven't had a chance to interact with is uh, at the great American beer festival. Cause I, I judge in that competition every year. And, and that's a really fantastic opportunity to, to meet a lot of the people that I've known about and, and wanted to meet for a long time, kind of luminaries in the industry, people who, you know, uh, and that's in Colorado. Am I not, am I right? Or, yeah, they hold that competition in Denver every year, and you know, and they get like 450 or so judges, but it's all professionals from the industry, and and it's brewmasters from you know all across the industry, and beer professionals, and it's kind of like a who's who of the beer business, and yep. you know, and I've had an opportunity to meet a lot of really cool people through that. Um, but, uh, you know, I've been real fortunate. I mean, I've been in the business for a really long time and, and I've been very fortunate to be able to, to already meet a lot of the people who I, I would consider to be, you know, uh, some of my idols in the business, you know, and, and interact with them, uh, just, you know, and just get to know some really fantastic folks and some super smart people. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know if that quite answers your question, but no, it does. Know. I mean, yeah. you know, you're definitely, you know, um, knowledgeable. And you, you mentioned, hey, look, you want to rub, you want to rub elbows or, or be around at least like-minded people that are trying to, you know, be, be, be great, be great like you. So yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I got a question for you, Neil. What's with the IPAs? What's with like, the IPAs? Like, why, why, why do we all have IPAs right now? Well, you know, uh, <laughs> Lou, Lou was talking with Lou and I were kind of going back and forth a little bit about beers, what should we taste, whatever. And, uh, you know, I felt like I, the reason why I brought up IPA uh, was because it's, it's so ubiquitous. It's everywhere, right? right. Everybody's making IPAs. Right. And 
that's and and it kind of brings brings it back to uh, what the, your local brewery is probably making right now, right? Uh, so you know, with quarantine and shutdown and and you know the business hurting so much right now, bars and restaurants closing. You know, we've had the, basically the on-premise, all the bars and restaurants has dried up that part of the business. And there's a lot of people that are hurting right now. A lot of small businesses hurting right now. A lot of bar and restaurant owners, brewery tap rooms, they're, they're really struggling. And so I felt like a good beer. I felt like, well, let's just get a beer from a local brewer that needs our support. And, and what's the easiest style to find from a local brewer? It's probably an IPA. So if we all got IPAs, support local business, support small businesses that need help right now, then, you know, that would be kind of a good, you know, why not that as opposed to anything else? So that was kind of my thought about that. Um, you know, IPA is a broader topic. I mean, we, you know, we could talk about that for a long time. There's, you know, there's, it's a beer with a rich history in, in England and Americans have kind of taken that style and made it their own. And now it's like kind of, it's grown into with all these different branches into a whole myriad of styles that That's many of which actually. aren't even anything like the other anymore. Right, right. So with the, um, is does, I mean, y'all may know this too, but IPAs probably have the most styles of any other um, type of beer, huh? Well, there are a American lot of and 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 uh, what New, New England IPAs, West Coast, West Coast British. IPAs, yeah, American American IPAs. Yeah, you got black IPA, white IPA, yeah. red IPA, right. depending on the organization like that, whose guidelines you're looking at. Right. Um, yeah, there's you know there's been session IPA. And, uh, you know, the New England hazy IPA, West Coast IPA, East Coast IPA, English <laughs> IPA. So, I mean, yeah, there's a ton. Uh, you could also, I mean, uh, the other, the only other style that comes to mind with as many subcategories might be stout beer. Okay, there's, right. There's, oh, yeah. There's, there's a ton of subcategories yeah, for stout beer as well. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, IPA, I mean, as originally – I mean, I remember when I got in the business, there was only one beer out there that you could really consider to be an IPA that you could get, and that was uh, Anchor Liberty Ale. Anchor Liberty was like the only beer up until probably the early 2000s. That was what IPA was. Uh, Is that beer then, available? Uh, yeah, you can still get Anchor Liberty. I haven't had one forever. I I, I should get one and see kind of how it stacks <laughs> up to modern IPA. <laughs> that's a San Francisco, right? That's a San Francisco brewery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. They're out of San Francisco. They're more known for Anchor Steam, obviously. Right. Uh, uh, but you know, in the early mid two thousands, American craft brewers started to make lots of versions of it. And so the initial IPAs just had like a lot of. Uh, a lot of what we call in the industry C hops, which are like uh, Cascade, Centennial, Columbus, Chinook, all these hops that start with C, but they also share a lot of uh, similarities. They, they have aromas like pine needle and citrus, and they can be kind of resiny. Uh, and, 
they're they're all very similar in that manner. They they have share a lot of d- similar descriptors, and a lot of those early IPAs had some pretty uh, some pretty you know uh, prominent malt characteristics as well. So they they had a good caramel kind of toasty malt flavor typically with big bitterness and that kind of sea hop aroma, that kind of citrusy piney aroma. And not they weren't really necessarily dry hopped beers initially. Uh, so dry hopping is where you take hops and you put them in the fermenter. Hops traditionally are put in the kettle during the boil when you're making beer. Uh, and aroma additions tend to, uh, you tend to boil away a lot of those aromas, even when you put those hops in at the end of the boil. So that traditional aroma addition gives you some aroma, but it's not super intense. Uh, putting hops in the fermenter allows you to get really big, fresh aromas that, uh, that aren't boiling away because you're not boiling. Uh, so, you know, a lot of those early IPAs weren't dry hops. So you got some big aromas, uh, but they weren't crazy. It was more about the bitterness. And, and in the mid 2000s, there was this like, almost like an arms race of bitterness. Like I can make a more bitter beer than you can. And it was like, <laughs> right, yeah. like all these extreme beers and like a lot of like really crazy beers, and a lot of bad beers as well, unfortunately. But everybody kind of settled in and try and really kind of found a way to make bitter beers beautiful and, and, and flavorful and balanced. And then, you know, you start to see some different offshoots. And then there was kind of the West Coast IPA, which really became that kind of benchmark for what American IPA was for a long time. And that's when you start to see a lot of dry hopping taking place, uh, where it was a, a lot of it was aromas and bitterness, but really de-emphasized malt flavor. So you get a lot of these really dry beers. You know, one of the benchmarks of that particular style for a long time was uh, Sculpin, Ballast Point Sculpin. If you guys ever had that, it's uh, they're out of San Diego. Uh, they were really big, probably I don't know, around like maybe 2012 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, and then it's now it's kind of evolved uh, to uh, this kind of New England IPAs is really kind of captured uh, a lot of the market of of ipa and that's really pushed the boundary of what ipa is in general because this uh this new england ipa or hazy ipa uh de-emphasizes bitterness and Mm. puts more emphasis on the aroma so there's there's a massive dry hopping that gives you big fresh aroma and not a lot of bitterness and they're bringing back the sweetness so there's more malt flavor there's more sweetness uh, less bitterness and these huge hop aromas on top. So a lot of them are, are like kind of use hop aromas or hops that feature aromas that are really citrusy or maybe even tropical fruit. And the, are they putting these hops in there later on? Is this like when they're putting the hops later in the process? Yeah, that's right. That's that dry hopping, the dry hopping where they're putting hops in the, in the fermenter after right, fermentation. Okay, right. So that's very late in the process. That's right. And that's what gives you that big fresh hop aroma. Uh, and so that's kind of what that kind of hazy, juicy IPA is, is it's the, all the emphasis is on those, on that dry hopping and on those aroma hops. Okay. Uh, so uh, it's really kind of pushed the boundary of it. Now, you know, you're seeing all kinds of people, 
push that even further. It's like the more we can make it taste like a glass of orange juice, like, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's almost like I was talking about this with some friends last night. It's almost like there's a continuum now between New England IPA or hazy IPA and fruit juice. So right. you've got this like continuum of like, is it beer or is it juice? Which, right. Right, for sure. you know, and like, depending on what you like, I mean, you know, I, I, I like a good hazy IPA with, you know, big fresh hop aromas. But I also like to retain some of that beer character as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's something out there for everybody now. So it's, it's, it's been interesting to watch the development of this style. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll bring this back into what I'm drinking here. This, uh, this incarnation uh, from four hands uh, out of St. Louis is uh, in, I think is a little bit more of a throwback to that West coast IPA, okay. which is uh, you know, it's a little bit more traditional composition of, of American IPA, which is a little bit drier malt character. You know, there's some sweet toasty flavors in there, but it's not real sweet. Uh, it's more dry. So, but the emphasis is not there. There's some, as a nice prominent bitterness. I tried to look up the IBUs real quick. I didn't dig deep enough, but, it doesn't say what the IBUs are on here, but my guess is it's probably around like 75 IBUs, which is, you know, decent amount of bitterness in there. And they use mosaic hops. So mosaic is a fairly new hop variety that, uh, um, you know, it's been around for maybe like six or seven years. I want to guess, uh, I might be a little bit off on that. Um, but that's, uh, it's a pretty popular hop. I think, you know, a lot of, all of us might have a all beer that has mosaic. Yeah, and actually, yeah, yeah. several of you mentioned it when we were talking about it at the top of the show. Uh, you know, mosaic, you know, has uh, has some citrusy component to it, uh, but it has kind of like a berry-like component. A lot, mm-hmm. a lot of people, it has like a blueberry kind of aroma and flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, this has got a relatively new hop variety. It's not one of those sea hops but it has that kind of composition of a, of a West coast IPA. And mm-hmm. I think it's really fantastic beer. None, none of the beer I have is, is super. It, it is really hazy. <laughs> and, yeah. and, yeah. I, and at 9.2, nine, nine I'm actually starting to feel. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> now, is it, is it, is it hazy juicy though, Rob, or is it just, it is juicy. Yeah, it's juicy. It has, um, it has Citra, Simcone, Cascade and Amarillo. And then it is, okay. and then I guess I, they say spiked with. I'm assuming that's dry hop with uh, sultana hops. And okay. Then, and then it has, and then it's brewed with honey uh, as well. So it, it takes. Oh, um, that sounds delicious. It is delicious. Mm-hmm. There's there's there's, oh. there's some sweetness, but there's some bitterness. But I'm definitely starting to feel it. <laughs> Your bottom lip is numb. Your bottom lip numb. <laughs> I was wondering why he was over there smiling so he like he Ray Charles and everything. (laughs) Yeah, one of the one of the cool things I think when you get into double IPAs is uh, um, when you hit that. To me, when when you hit that kind of eight to eight and a half percent ABV, that alcohol kind of it acts as like almost like a booster of the flavor. So it, it kind of lifts up a lot of the other flavors of the beer and it's, and it gives you this, it gives you this mouthfeel and, and 
and a boost to the other flavors of the beer that you don't get from lower ABV beers. And so it's one of the things I like about double IPAs. I can't drink too many of them because I, I like to drink more than one beer that, <laughs> and, you know, and when I drink, like, you know, if I'm sitting down with like, if I was drinking your nine and a half percent crowler, I'd, you know, that'd be that'd all be I'd have. That'd be it. Oh, this is all I'm having. This. <laughs> hey, look at him. Look at him. Look. Tap out. Go ahead and tap out, Rob. Go ahead and tap out. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm all right. I'm not, slurring my, I'm not slurring my words, so I'm straight. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. We'll, we'll not see not by yet. the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> what, what We've been talking about IPAs, and you said IPAs are um, always, always around, but what's your actual favorite style to drink? If, I know, if you have my next question. Good, good question. Yeah. Bro. Oh, of any style of beer? Any style. Like, what's your favorite style to, that you prefer? Um, you know, I would say my go-to style is probably American Pale Ale. Okay. Yeah, I was uh, going to say ale. I figured, yeah. Yeah, American like Pale Ale. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, when I started working at Boulevard Brewing Company, I, I was, you know, I had long been a fan of Boulevard Pale Ale. Boulevard Pale Ale was modeled after the after Sierra Nevada pale ale, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I could, I could just drink Sierra Nevada pale ale, you know, every day. Like mm-hmm. if I had, if I had one beer to choose from, I'd probably pick Boulevard pale ale. That'd be my desert Island beer that or Duval. Mm-hmm. I love Duval, uh, Belgian golden ale, that mm-hmm. beer. I, I can't drink as many of them. It's eight and a half percent. Uh, but it's, it's, it's one of those beers that doesn't, tastes like it's eight and a half percent you know it's really light in color uh it's super dry crisp a little bit hoppiness got a really nice floral hop uh with some kind of fruity esters smells kind of like pears you said that's Um, a pale ale that's that's this this is a duval which is the belgian golden ale ale. and and you drink it it just goes down so smooth but it's eight and a half percent oh man oh i love it yeah. I mean, I always see it in in the in uh, at the local uh, craft store, but I, I don't think I've, I think I think I, I don't think I ever picked it up. And now I have to you go pick it up sometime. Yeah, do is do is Duvel spelled D U V E L L? Yeah, oh, one L. Yeah, D U V one L. I see it all the time, but I don't know. I always like like ah, that ain't local. Oh yeah, it's it's from Belgium, but it's it's really good. It's a classic. They've been making that beer since since nineteen nineteen. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go it's try, good stuff. I'm going to go try it. That's the, that's the golden ale, not the pale ale, right? Golden yeah, ale. that's the golden. Belgian golden ale. Yeah, El, so that's Belgian probably my golden second ale. favorite beer. But my favorite beer, to answer your question, Lou, is, is probably Boulevard Pale Ale. Okay. So, Neil. I like that. Yeah. So, Neil, I think um, probably for you, I think I, I can speak for the four of us as well when it comes to uh, knowing – kind of like wanting to know how things work or how things kind of are made. I think all of us have just kind of that infatuation with why we, you know, kind of entered or got into this beer journey because we like the different characteristics or want to know kind of the history behind kind of how, you know, things are comprised. Yeah. Um, so to that, um, that, you know, manufacturing is, is, a, is, is a part of that process with everything that we, you know, we use, everything that we consume and that kind of thing. So you being a master brewer or actually starting actually home brewing, that's what I meant to say, starting the home brewing many, many years ago in the 90s um, and now seeing where craft brew has uh, kind of evolved. Um, 
what do you think about what's your um what's what's your take on like technology that's actually been um inserted into the process to make you know the the right blends and the right uh the timing of of this hop and things like how do you think that that's um either um negatively or or or, or positively impacted the you know the output of a beer and making it you know better or worse uh that's that's a that's a cool question. I like that. Uh, a friend of mine um, in the business always says the best brewers use the best technology to make the best beer. Um, and, you know, it's, I think, uh, you know, some of the best brewers I know kind of keep one foot firmly planted in tradition. Uh, you know, like Sierra Nevada, for example, still uses whole leaf hops because they just believe in it and it's traditional and, and they appreciate that. And so there's a respect for tradition there, but they also use all of the best technology to make really amazing beer. And if you look at like the history of beer and the history of brewing since like the industrial revolution, you know, the all of the improvements in beer and beer as we know it today wouldn't be like it is if it wasn't for brewers using technology to improve the process and make better beer. That goes all the way back to the industrial revolution when, yeah. you know, brewers were using steam power to help grow their businesses and, yeah. and make better beer, uh, you know, advances in, uh, in malting technology allowed us to have a wide variety of different malts available. Uh, you know, advances in laboratory technology allow us to, to make sure beer's not spoiled before we set it out the door. Um, you know, and the, and, you know, a lot of that stuff that, that the big brewers use to make sure that everything is of the highest quality is maybe not necessary to make, great beer per se. There's plenty of small brewers out there who just, you know, they've got a, a brew house, they make beer, they don't have a lot of fancy technology mm -hmm. surrounding it and they're making amazing beer. Mm -hmm. uh, but as you grow as a business, if you're going to be a big brewer making a bunch of beer and you want to make it consistently, technology is a really important part of that. And I will also say, even those smaller brewers that mm -hmm. are, making beer on like a three or five or seven barrel brew house and they're just selling everything out of their tap room. Mm -hmm. All of the stuff they're doing is the result of some technological advance that's, that has been put in place before them. So, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a critical part of it and it's a, it's, it's an industrial process on a professional level, no matter how big or small. Yeah. Um, so you're relying on technology. And then I guess if you look back, you look at home brewing, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, the guys who make the best homebrew are the ones that usually have a little bit better, better setup, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 that, that question kind of came up because when I, years, like probably 2014, I got to visit Napa Valley and go through the kind of the whole, uh, Behringer like history lesson of like how, wine used to be made, you know, kind of in the, the field and the, right, the, the, right. the, the, the vineyards and kind of how that process evolved to, obviously it's not made that way anymore. You know, everything is barrels and no one's stomping on grapes the same way yeah. um, mm -hmm. they used to, but that history lesson 
uh, definitely was, you know, beneficial and actually made you appreciate what goes into how they make a Chardonnay or how they make a, you know, a Zippendale or whatever. So uh, yeah. just thought, you know, that could, you know, just create some buzz and talking to, talking about it as it relates to beer and oh, yeah. three and how it evolved. So. Yeah, I'm sure technology plays a huge role in in uh, in large production winemaking as well. I mean, I I worked for a few years uh, at a winery in the late '90s, and and you know we were we were using in a lot of ways some modern technology to uh, to make sure that you know we were getting everything right on that. Everything end. right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Not here, wasting now, all that. Now, here's, exactly. Here's the question yeah. in terms of. Um, just going back to like I guess Cicerone and all that stuff. In terms of uh, with the I guess the explosion of craft beer, in terms of well, just in popularity in general. But has like food pairing been uh, emphasized more in terms of uh, in terms of in terms of like the, the Cicerone program in terms of that? Because I know a lot of people always ask. So what do you pair with this IPA or this stout? Like a lot of people do that nowadays. So has that become more um, um, pronounced? I guess than what you do. Well, yeah. So this one of the one of the areas of study in the Cicero program is beer and food pairings, and uh, we we've put an emphasis on that, uh, you know, to help promote that because beer rightfully deserves a place at the dinner table. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, ten years ago, if you ask the average person, like, what's you know, what do you if you're going to pair a, a beverage with your food? most everybody would say it's going to be wine and, uh, and wine's great uh, for pairing with all kinds of different foods, Mm -hmm. but nobody would ever think about beer and you could go to a four star restaurant and they've got this huge wine list and, you know, and a sommelier there to help you pair wine with food. But then you ask them for beer and they've got like Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light. Yeah. 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 And stepping up, you know, would be Heineken or something. And, you know, I mean, nothing wrong with those beers, but you know, that's just not a selection for, you know, for pairing with food and the industry, I think has taken some real steps forward in the past decade to, to make, to put beer at the forefront of pairing and getting people to realize that, beer is just as good to pair with food as wine and oftentimes is better uh, to pair with food than wine uh, because it has characteristics that wine doesn't, which can be very beneficial for certain types of foods, uh, things like carbonation, um, for example. Um, and so, you know, uh, holding beer dinners is a commonplace event now where right. you didn't used to see that. Right. Uh, but you know, in recent years, I mean, you know, there's beer dinners all over the place now. If a place has got several, yeah, you know, if you got a dozen beers on tap, which is, you know, a ton of places now, they're probably holding a beer dinner at some point if they, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so, uh, it's really become more commonplace now. And, uh, it's, it's been a positive development because, you know, beer has just as much variety and sophistication as wine does, and there's no reason why we can't be uh, pairing pairing beer with food too. All right, awesome. I agree. <laughs> I have a, I have a question for you, Neil. You uh, spoke earlier about going to college. You ma- you majored or minored in German. Does that yeah. uh, does that ever help, or has that ever helped with your beer journey? 
Well, you know, if we were talking about uh, German beer styles, you know, if you remember, we were talking about that in the yeah. in the class. I, I emphasize the German vocabulary word. Yeah, right. You know, there's like most of the things is like more like a V sound instead of like we were like I think we were saying like Hefeweizen, but it was like it was it, it wasn't. Oh yeah, yeah. The the W is pronounced as a as a V sound. Right. Like, Weizen, like it's spelled W-E-I-D-E-N. Yeah. Yeah, so in that sense, yeah, it does help a little bit, you know. I mean, there's times when some terminology pops up. Uh, Admittedly, I'm pretty rusty. I graduated from college. I graduated from college in 93, so I'm a little rusty. Will you take a deep breath before you say when you graduated? Right. It's been a you long just time. Kept it <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Will you do one of those? <laughs> and, and in that vein, uh, and in that vein, I know you've tasted so many different beers. Is there a particular country that stands out? Like this country makes the best beer. Is it Germany? Is it Belgium? Oh, is it the U.S.? Like, it's is there- so hard to say. You know, the 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 countries of focus that we that we talked about in the class. I mean, we, we focused on uh, German and Czech styles uh, that in that, from that region, we focused on UK styles, American styles and Belgian styles. I think there's something I like about each one of those. Uh, one of the things I really like about, uh, about German styles is just lager beer. It's the best lagers in the world are coming from Germany. And, you know, and arguably from the Czech Republic, too. Uh, they, they have these styles that they really focus in on, and they've, they've refined these styles over centuries. And, and just amazing, uh, amazing focus of the brewing tradition there. Um, I think Belgium is maybe some of the most uh, interesting beers that you can get. They're, they almost defy classification. And they've got such an amazing beer culture there. And they're, and, and this kind of ties in with the discussion of beer and food. Their culture sees beer as, as being just a part of its culinary culture. So, like, beer and food just naturally go together. Like, any restaurant you go to in Belgium, uh, you know, there's, there's a beer list. And they present the beer list much like a fine restaurant in the United States would present a wine list. And, and it's just, it's so embedded in their culinary culture that, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing to see. And you can't even, it's hard to even explain without you, without you going there and and experiencing it yourself. It's a really great place to visit and to immerse yourself into a beer culture and to see a, a, a culinary culture in general that, that has beer as such an integrated part of it. And wine is almost like non-existent mm. um the uk is really great uh i think the thing i like about the uk is uh is cask ale it's one of my absolute favorite things in the world cask conditioned beer where they they have uh, these specialized kegs that they're they that breweries will fill essentially right from the fermenter when it's done fermenting they add a little bit of priming sugar into it and it promotes a secondary fermentation in this keg that they're going to serve from. But the fermentation is kind of shepherded through by the 
people at the pub. So the publican is the guy who's like managing that fermentation mm. and they're like assessing carbonation and, and then they tap it when it's toad, when it's finished, they tap it and it's the freshest beer. That's just so great. It's, it's the, uh, what I like to call it. I didn't coin this term. Somebody else said it, but it was, uh, it's like the freshly baked bread of beer. It's mm. just, it's amazing. Um, and with that, it's different. It's different because you send it to different breweries, and the brewmaster is opening, is tapping it at different times. So, it, well, it's not the brewmaster that's tapping it. So the brewery okay. sends it right to the retailer, right. and the retailer is. So imagine like a bartender at your at your local bar right. who's got a cellar full of all these fresh kegs he got from different breweries, and he's managing the fermentation. Right. all these different breweries beers so and then never, tapping it, it when it's done it could taste different from from uh beer house from bar to bar yeah it potentially could um you know and there's a lot of like there's a lot of variability and quality out there too it's a very mm -hmm. delicate thing um and once it's tapped it's only good for like maybe 48 hours or three days wow. like two oh, or three wow. days that's it because uh, the fresh the freshness goes down immediately, um, yeah, but uh, it's it's uh, it's an amazing thing. You get fresh Cascale; it's just absolutely fantastic. Is that right. only in the UK? You really only find it in the UK. There's a handful of places in the US that do Cascale and do it the right way. Um, there's a place in Denver called Hogshead, which uh, which does. They make cask. They they make English style ales, and they've got cask ale uh, there, and they do they do a really fantastic job, and it's a pretty legit like cask ale brewery, but you don't find it a whole lot in the U.S. Okay. Um, and then I kind of continue to kind of complete that thought. Uh, the U.S. I think the cool thing about what we've done here is you know if you look at what beer culture was here 30 years ago, it was, it was kind of a monoculture. It was one style of beer from a bunch of different breweries. And the only thing that was really different was the branding on the can or the bottle. Right. And, uh, and we've managed to create a beer culture in the U S that is, that has one of the, that's got probably the widest variety of styles and beers of anywhere in the world. And and we have some of the most innovative brewers of anywhere in the world that, that don't, that feel like they don't have any rules, right? There's no, they're not bound by any type of tradition, even in Belgium where there's this wide variety of, of beers over there. When you talk to brewers over there, there's such a rich tradition of brewing that they oftentimes feel held back by that. Like there's, you know, you'll visit an amazing brewery that's making beer and they've been around for 200 years and they're like, then they, this is the beer they make, right? And this is the beer right. we've always made and this is the beer that we're always going to make, right? And so they don't, they don't feel like they can innovate sometimes. Whereas in the U.S. it's just like we do whatever the hell we want. And, and because of that, brewers from around the world are now looking to the U.S. for inspiration which didn't used to be the case. It's you a know, kind of cool thing. You know what I was just sitting here thinking about as he was talking? <laughs> what makes a beer a, a, 
a known style. You you know what I mean? Like, where did the IPA come from to make it like known that okay, this is a certain style? Then somebody created a stout, and now a stout's a style. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it a certain amount of people who got to make this type of beer, and now it's a known style, or is it just that, or a recognized style, should I say, or is it a different way that that happens? Well, yeah, the discussion of style in general is is a is an interesting one. So you know. Like in the class that that I that uh, that you guys sat in on, you know, we talked about the origin of certain types of styles. So these were just you know beers that had a unique flavor profile that became really popular in a certain region because of the ingredients they used or the water content of that particular city or you know or whatever they decided to use whatever people liked and brewers made it and so it became kind of a popular thing either locally regionally or nationally and sometimes internationally and so the a lot of these different traditional styles like you know porter beer in England or uh, like pilsner beer from the Czech Republic and then Germany or, you know, like IPA from Burton-on-Trent in England, you know, there's, they have, there's historical reasons why these beers started to brew, started to be made. There's reason, and then because they were good beers, people drank them in large quantity, and they became kind of a thing. Nowadays, we have, we recognize these traditional styles but we're also kind of creating a lot of our own styles too. And as these styles evolved over centuries, sometimes you get these little offshoots of these like subcategories of styles. And then the way we talk about them are, you know, there's kind of a common language that we use to talk about some of these. Like if I say, you know, this beer's a stout, you have an idea of what that means. Yeah. Or if I say this is an IPA, you have an idea of what that means. It's like yep. a common language that we use to talk about beer. And and a lot of it comes from these historic styles. But then modern classification is, is more of a, there's a few different organizations that actually like keep and maintain written style categories. And okay. the reason why these organizations do that is primarily for purposes of competition. So if you're entering beer into a homebrew competition, that competition is likely sanctioned by the beer judge certification program. The beer judge certification program has, uh, or we call it BJCP, has very detailed style guidelines for like a hundred plus different beer styles. A lot of them are these tr like historic beer styles that have been around forever that we all kind of know about. And a lot of them are kind of subcategories of that or offshoots that kind of grew out of those over the centuries. And they've classified them in a certain way. So when you enter a beer into competition, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, it's this beer. So we're not going to judge a porter up against a pilsner. Right. That doesn't make any sense. So we're, you know, so we're going to judge porters against porters. So they use those classifications for that. The Brewers Association also has their own style guidelines, and they that's those are the guidelines they use for the Great American Beer Festival and for the World Beer Cup. And there's a lot of overlap, right? They still have, they both have American IPA and Porter and Imperial Stout and like all of the styles that we kind of know and talk about as like this kind of common language that we have. 
both of those organizations have those styles in there. Now, the way they define them might have kind of different boundaries of the limits of what those styles are. And they also have like some other kind of subcategories or offshoots that, that the other one might not have, right? It's just their own way of classifying it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but in general, like to really dive into, well, does this really fit into this category or is it more this style or this style or whatever, and start discussing the finer points of it. Like a lot of that stuff, it doesn't really matter. Like if it's just us sitting around drinking beer, it doesn't really matter because we all kind of have the general descriptors as to what it is. The really finer points of things matters more for sitting at a, at a, judging table when you're judging beers does this fit into the style category or should it be in this other category that's where you have more of those conversations okay. or if you're taking and passing a cicerone exam where we test you on the bjcp style guidelines because that's those are the style guidelines that we pull from for our examinations now now is there reciprocity between bjcp and uh, Cicero, or do you have to be certified as BJCP as well? Um, so, you, like, in order to, like, you mean in order to judge in the competition? Right. Yeah, so, I I mean, I, I got recognized as BJCP. I, I took that test and recognized as, like, the lowest level of, of passing at, for the BJCP exam. I did that back in, I think, like, 98. Okay. Um, uh, and, uh, and then as you judge in competition in the BJCP section competitions, you get judging points okay. and then you can kind of move up the ladder. So I, oh. I moved up to certified, but I moved up to certified by judging in BA competitions. So if you judge in BA competitions, you get BJCP points. So there's a little bit of crossover yeah. there, you know, uh, so you got, and you got I, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there is no like BA like uh tests that you have to take oh, and pass. Okay. BJCP has their own uh testing and certification process for their judges. The BA does not. Okay. But in order to get on the roster as a BJ or as a BA judge at like Great American Beer Festival and, and their competitions, you have to apply for it. You have to have letters of recommendation, you gotta, you know, you have to have some credentials and you have to be approved. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That's something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much. Probably, probably ask a lot more questions. I, I don't know. I, know. <laughs> I think so. Like I, like I said in the beginning, we 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 are in this world. We like to know all of we can know about it's beer. So it's so much. I can appreciate so much. That. Like he just runs off for like five, ten minutes on a subject. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Give me more. Give me more, man. Johnny Five from Short Circuit. (laughs) Johnny Five. You get me going, man. I'll just talk and talk and talk. My friends give me trouble about it sometimes because, like, it's it's not even that. It's just like we ask a question and think it'll be like a thirty-second answer, but it's so much more into it that you know. I am sitting here. I can't even figure out how to add up uh, how to measure. ABV or IBU, <laughs> well, you know, and that's that's the thing though is like, uh, you know, don't be intimidated by like 
you know, there's a ton of stuff to know about beer, right? Yeah. You can peel away the layers and there's just, yeah. and all you're going to do yeah. is just uncover more. The more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know, right? right? right. There's just so much to learn. Uh, but what I tell people all the time, and I, I say this, and I find myself saying this when, when I, I meet somebody who is, is just getting into beer and they're wanting to learn more about it. And, and they're like, Oh wow, you're master Cicero. And they're like, we'll like get a beer. And they're like, Oh, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, don't say anything. I'm like, you're not so, like my job is the one to like, you know, my job is to obsess over beer, right? right. Like beer's there to have fun, right? The whole <laughs> point of people making beer, drinking beers, cause it's, it's fun. It's a good time. Yep. Right. right? Yep. So like, if you enjoy beer, then just enjoy it, right? Yeah. If you want to learn more about it, learn more about it, cool. But there shouldn't be any intimidation about, about like beer knowledge, right? Beer's for everybody. And if you want to drink Bud Light and and you love it, and that's like that's how you enjoy beer, awesome. That's perfect. Because that's what it's there for. It's for you to have a good time. And if you want to drink, you know, if you want to discover the world of beer and drink all these other styles and all you want to do is just enjoy them and drink them and have a good time. Kick ass. If you want to learn more about it, uh, then that's awesome. And, and, you know, I'm more than willing to help people learn however much they want about beer, uh, to it, if, cause if it helps them enjoy it more by learning more, that's great. But I, I, I make a real effort to not try and, and, you know, it, be intimidating at all. Right. It's yeah. like my, that's my job to be obsessive and worry about all the details. Your job is just to have a good time and enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you, so what would you say if you're sitting at a bar and a first time bar beer drinker came up and they're talking to you, what would you, how would you introduce them to a, to a beer? Well, I, I usually don't interject much if they, if they're, you know, if they're just ordering a beer and they're asking questions, no, no, no. I'm asking no. you, like if they're asking you, like, "Hey, oh. I'm this beer." Thing. Like, I don't drink beer. That kind of question. Oh, really okay. Yeah. To start drinking beer. What would you? How would you talk to that person? What would you ask them to get? Well, them the first thing, the first thing, thing I would try and do is ask them. I would try and find out what they what they like. Right. Like, what do you drink? Mm -hmm. And what you know, if they're a beer drinker and they're looking for something different, well, what beer do you normally drink? And based on that then, you know, you can make a suggestion that might be a good next logical step, right? Okay. So if they're an American lager drinker, well, you know, maybe they can step out a little bit. Maybe, you know, maybe there's a beer on tap that's like a, a, a Pilsner from a craft brewer that has got a little bit more flavor. Or maybe, you know, there's something that's just, just a step above where they can try some new flavors, but it's not too much of a leap. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if somebody's a Bud Light drinker and they're looking for something more flavorful, I'm not going to be giving them, you know, a super bitter double IPA right. because they're probably not going to like it. Uh, they're not going to be used to it. Uh, but if they drink pale ale and they're trying to step out a little bit, maybe I would. Right. So the first thing I try and do is just find out what they like. If they don't mm -hmm. drink beer at all and they, you know, then I find out what they normally do drink and then maybe find a beer that, can that has some of those flavors that they already know and they already like. Mm 
No, because so, that person say, oh, I just drink coffee all the time. Oh, here, taste this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've done that. And, and that's it's that's that's a fun one. When you give somebody a stout beer and they say they don't like like uh, beer at all, and, right. and but they drink coffee and you give them a stout and they're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. It's <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, cool. we, pro- we probably could talk to you to all day, but I, I won't want to take you to hold you too long. It's been about an hour and a half. <laughs> we should do a part two for Neil do a part two for Neil and like talk about like maybe some you know some some maybe some other beer styles and some other I mean there's a lot of a lot of things about beer that um you can I mean he has a massive sister role hey I'm down for that guys for sure uh but so before we wrap up we always like to know how people can reach you on social media or even the business as well. So uh, so you can give us that information. Yeah. 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 Uh, So my business craft quality solutions, you can go to sellgreatbeer.com. That's uh, S E L L G R E A T. Some people misinterpret that as celebrate beer, but it's not. It's (laughs) sellgreatbeer.com. That, you know, that'll get you to, uh, um, my website, you can kind of see what my business is about and type of services that I offer. And you can scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up for my newsletter. I've been doing a weekly newsletter. Uh, I've done a couple, I've only done a couple of them now, but, uh, I'm going to try and be, uh, I'm going to be pushing this out every week is my intention. And it's just as a, uh, a number of different relevant articles to the bar and restaurant and brewery world, a uh, little bit of, you know, kind of draft tidbits and tricks because, you know, draft beer is kind of my deal. Um, and just like a little bit of beer knowledge stuff thrown in there too. So kind of a fun newsletter. So go ahead and sign up for that. Um, you can find me at Twitter at nwitty. That's N-W-I-T-T-E. And this is Nancy. N-W-I-T-T-E. You can find me on Instagram at, at uh, N-J-W-I-T, N-J-W-I-T. Um, what else? Uh, Neil Whitty on Facebook, Craft Quality Solutions on Facebook. Uh, I don't know what else. Not, no, no, yeah, tic- I think that's good. No tic- 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 <laughs> I don't have TikTok yet. I have a feeling if I did TikTok, I'd just be like yelling at people about beer quality for a minute. I might turn into something like that if you gave me TikTok. What were you saying, Lou? Huh? You were what saying, saying something? I said you could have your niche. That'll be your niche for TikTok. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Be a beer man. <laughs> Never know. I'll be a TikTok celebrity by the next next time I come there on. You go. There you go. And today we have one angry beer man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, don't tempt me. Class. That is not Please beer. Damn class. That is not beer clean. I see bubbles. <laughs> Piss off. <laughs> Oh man! Like the result, I think there might be a market for that. <laughs> right, it is. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be. Fifteen seconds. Fifteen seconds cussing somebody out about beer. Yeah, yeah that's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Lou. Where, where can they reach you at, Lou? Uh, for all your beer. First of all, thank you very much, Neil, for coming on. I appreciate you very much. My uh, pleasure. Thank you, man. 
for all your bear needs, Lou Belgium. Uh, for all your t-shirt needs in the margin tees, I am on them Instagrams. Uh, yo. And you can find me, 302 Yoda, on Instagram and on Facebook and Instagram at Delaware on Grind. Yeah. And I echo uh, Lou's uh, uh, comments. Thank you for coming on. I just also subscribe to sellgreatbeer.com. So I'll be looking for you and following you with all awesome. these latest and greatest news. But you can find me on uh, Instagram at Devin Aaron underscore the underscore great. And you can find Bruising Banter Podcast at Bruising Banter Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And you can check us out and listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, once again, we want to thank Neil Whitty for coming through. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. yes. <laughs> we, will, we will have a great time. Great time. At least. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was awesome, guys. Very cool. Yeah. This has been episode 72 of Bruising Bandit Podcast. Until next time. Have uh, a good week, everyone. Happy yeah. Memorial Day. Yeah. yeah all that. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. <laughs> Is that the one fighting for your soul? Or your brother's the one that you're running? I'm empty in one can. Oh, God. Whoa. <laughs> okay, ain't nobody fucking with my car. Oh, you guys got more work to do. <laughs> I know still working on both of mine. <laughs> I'm almost empty over here, too. I'm good. This is the second. It's gone. I'm actually. It's gone. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm actually. Finished. I'm actually. Finished. Robert said I'm drunk. <laughs>